Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 105 of How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, we are talking to the amazing Jessica Strasser, whom I met at Writer's Digest Conference in New York. Um, She is with Writer's Digest, um, but she is also now a outside Writer's Digest and writing her own books. She writes uh, psychological thrillers, which you know that I love, and we have a delightful talk together. So stay tuned for that. And in um, what's going on around here, I'm really sorry that I kind of blew you all off for the last two weeks. It was not intentional. The first week I had every intention of um, uploading the podcast. However, I was at the Central Coast Writers Conference and it just turned out that there was more work there than I had planned um, and not enough time to get anything done besides what I needed to do there. And I had about 6,000 words to write while I was there. So that took up all my bandwidth and I thought about it and I missed you guys. And then last week, the honest God's truth is that um, I had a gig. I had our second gig with my band, Sausalito, the band. And uh, we performed at this bar called Piano Fight in the City. We had a fantastic time. It was so fun. I got to sing a little Stevie Nicks. Uh, You can check that out at my Facebook page or at facebook.com slash Sausalito, the band. And, uh, and And it took it out of me. I tell you what, the performing. And it wasn't until the end of Friday that I thought, oh, crap, I didn't do the podcast. I literally forgot. I didn't forget about you, but I did forget about the podcast. And I apologize for that. And there is one lovely thing about working for yourself, though, because this is about as much time as I spent concerned over it. Yep, that's about how long I spent. Um, I know that technically things like that in the podcast world can hurt your listens. Uh, but you know what? I don't care. You guys are here to listen to me. Other people will come in and listen if they want to. And those who don't want to, that's okay too. What I'm saying is that I love being self-employed. It's really freaking rad. And I'm always saying to you guys and to whoever will listen to me that I never get over the joy of this, the thrill of being able to write and talk about writing for my living, for my profession. And, um, please know that is as true today as it was two and a half years ago when I went full-time writing. Um, it's still something I cannot believe that I get to do. So, uh, I thoroughly enjoy that. I did miss talking to you though. So that's what I was doing while I was gone. Um, Since then, I got that essay I was working on done and I got my copy edits back for the thriller, Stolen Things from Penguin. And um, I just finished those today, which is great. It's a little bit ahead of schedule, which is exactly what I needed. Uh, The copy editor was fantastic. I always play this game with copy edits where I find the first page upon which nothing has been corrected. And in this manuscript, it was page 243. I must say that page 244 also had no corrections on it. So my guess is she could have found some if she looked harder. She probably just got sleepy and then came back on page 245. And off we are again to the uh, to the, the painted red pages full of you know, move this face over, take out this hyphen, 
take out this space and add a hyphen, remove a comma. And again, it's a lot about style. I spent years learning to take the word that out of sentences. Um, she picked up the pen so Harper could write a sentence. That doesn't make any sense, but that's an example. Uh, instead of she picked up a pen so that Harper could write a sentence. And it turns out it's just a style thing. So, um, my old copy editor used to take them all out. This copy editor added them all back in and there's nothing wrong with those things. It's just looking at each one and approving it. And also they just do an amazing job at catching all of my flubs. I had, um, an actual dead character speak on a page after he was dead because it was, you know, lost in a revision that things had shifted around. So copy editors are awesome. And I actually really enjoy doing copy edits, but they're time intensive. So I'm glad that that is off my plate. And now um, the next thing to get off my plate is to finish this romance, which I am about two thirds of the way through. I need to finish it up within the next couple of weeks um, to get it to my editor. So this will be the last in the Ballard Brothers series. And then um, will come the next thing after that. But I'm working really hard right now. It's an intense season of work. After the romance is done, I would like to maybe take a week or two off of writing, not business because business is always around, but um, maybe go into some revision of some nonfiction or something just to give my, my fiction brain a little break. It's feeling a little fiction weary. So uh, that'll be wonderful. Um, I'm also next week going to the Surrey International Writers Conference in Vancouver, which I'm very much looking forward to. I've heard such great things about that conference. And um, for various reasons, I'm going to be followed around by a camera crew while I'm there. Um, somebody's interviewing me for a documentary about the police industry and they want a 911 dispatcher's perspective. And since I am an ex-911 dispatcher and my next thriller is going to be about a 911 dispatcher, they're going to use me. So, um, y'all, I got to get my hair cut and my eyebrows done shoot, if you're watching me on the video, you're nodding along with me. You do, Rachel, you do. So uh, things like that I need to get done before I go. And then the week after that is Pasadena Novel Writers Conference from Writers Digest, and that'll be great. Um, but I'm just trying to fit in a lot of work in between travel and looking forward to November, which will just be at home. Very much looking forward to that. Although I love travel. I'm not going to complain. I am not, literally not complaining about that. I love a hotel room. Um, in business stuff, I started up a little new side hustle. Because you know me, I've always got a side hustle. I'll tell you about that on the um, sponsorship middle portion right before we talk to Jessica. Might be something you're interested. If not, oh my gosh, sing a little song while I'm talking. I would like to thank new patrons. And there's a few of them because I haven't done this in a couple of weeks. Thanks to new patrons, Stephanie VB, Ellen McCoy Beatty, Mia Manns, Felicia, Rainbow Warrior. And thank you to Donna Kirshner for upping your pledge. That always feels really good. Um, and I wanted to say something about Patreon. You can find me at patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And I want to thank not only the new patrons and not only the current patrons, but I want to thank the past and future patron patrons because, um, I just really want to make clear that if you support me on Patreon, if you tell me that you like the show that I'm doing, that you want to get the essays that I write about creativity, um, your patronage at a dollar a month really means a lot to me. But if you can't afford to do that, if you need to pull back on patronage at any point in any way, it's always 100% fine. 
if you can't support me now, but want to someday in the future, that's fantastic. Um, there's never any hard feelings. Oh my gosh, the absolute opposite. If you need to duck out of patronage, there's always gratitude in my heart that you were there at all. So um, I just wanted to make that really clear. I get emails sometimes where people have to cancel and they feel really guilty. Please don't feel guilty. I'm just grateful. Nothing but grateful. So there's that. Um, now let's jump into the interview with Jessica. I hope that you are having a fantastic week, that you have gotten some writing done. And if you haven't yet, why don't you get some done this weekend and email me about it? Drop me a tweet. Um, you can leave a comment on the show over at howdoyouwrite.net. And I would love to hear from you. I do not get very many comments over there because it's kind of a new URL and nobody really knows about it. Um, howdoyouwrite.net. Come talk to me over there. Enjoy your week. We'll talk soon. Have you been sending out that perfect query letter and hearing crickets? Well, did you know that I am the Query Letter Whisperer? I honestly love to work on them, and they get results. Lorena Hughes, the award-winning author of The Sisters of Alameda Street, says, With just a few clever tweaks, Rachel Heron transformed my long and wordy proposal into a sharp query letter that got me agent requests the very next day. I honestly live for fixing query letters. They're like puzzles in my brain. What I do is I overhaul the good drafting that you've already done. I don't write the rough draft for you. I do rearrange your ideas into exactly what the industry expects and responds to for the low, low price of 100 bucks. If you're interested, just go to rachelherron.com slash query and see more information and more testimonials from satisfied clients. Now onto the interview. Okay. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show, Jessica Strasser. How, hi, Jessica. How do you pronounce your last name? It's Strasser. Oh, you I were right. Did it exactly right. Um, yep. Perfect. Let me give a little introduction for you. Uh, Jessica Strasser is editor-at-large at Writer's Digest, where she was editorial director for nearly a decade. She's the author of the book club favorites, Almost Missed You and Not That I Could Tell, a book of the month selection and Barnes & Noble best new fiction pick for March 2018 gorgeous, gorgeous books. She's holding them up if you're watching the video. They are, you won the cover lottery. They're both from St. Martin's. I did. And her third novel, Forget You Know Me, which is such a good title, is forthcoming in February 2019. You you already have the arc? Wow. No, I don't. It's not an arc. It's just a mock-up of the cover. Also awesome. But it looks real on video. It sure does. I thought it was the real thing. (laughs) She has written for the New York Times, Modern Love, Publishers Weekly, and others, and is a popular conference speaker. I can attest to that, having heard her speak. She's fabulous. She lives with her husband and two children in Cincinnati. And you and I met at the most recent Writer's Digest conference in New York, which was fabulous. And I was just immediately attracted to your vibrancy and your sense of fun and playfulness and the way we both kind of connect and think about writing on the same level. But first, I really need to go to the most important question, which was, um, what was your modern love piece about? I'm dying. I'm dying. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, first of all, that's really nice to say. I loved we were so we were on that panel together, that women's fiction panel. I loved being on that panel with you. And we have so many mutual friends. And I think we had emailed before. And I felt like I knew you, but exactly. I never actually yeah. met you before. And I felt the same. So so nice of you to introduce me. So my modern love piece was, it was a holiday themed essay. It went viral around Christmas a few years ago. And um, you might notice it this year around the holiday season. It seems like every year it kind of 
pops back up. It was actually about losing my best friend at Christmas time one year. And then um, how it was really hard to separate, you know, the grief from that experience from the whole Christmas season. The next year, I really found myself dreading everything about it. And it was about an encounter I had with a stranger um, and how that kind of changed. It was sort of the first step in sort of redeeming uh, the holiday season for me wow. and helping me separate I this. Will, too. I will link that in the show notes at howdoyouwrite.net because I will find that and I really, really want to read it. It sounds beautiful. And I'm sorry for your thank loss. Thank you. My, uh, oh, thank you very much. My, um, yeah, and on. for anyone who's – for. Uh, because it's it's writers listening to this, yes, right. Okay, so um, <laughs> pro tip that Dan Jones, the editor of Modern Love, if anyone's interested in pitching, told me that it's almost impossible to sell a grief based essay. I just happened to hit, hit, I think, with the holidays and everything, with the you know the theme. I think I in the timing, I think I happened to time it right. But um, for anyone, I feel like, you know, as writers, we always read those and think, well, what can my spin on that be? And he said, it's almost always an automatic no, if it has anything to do with grief. Think so of... if anyone's thinking of pitching modern love, um, don't do what I did necessarily. <laughs> but yeah, I can only think me. of one other one. And it was the one where um, the woman said, um, like, to the woman who marries my husband. Because she oh was dying. Gosh. Remember she that one? Rosenthal. Yes. yes. Oh, such a fan of her. Oh, yeah. That was that was my favorite. One of my favorite I think it's, it's one of my favorite ones ever too. But I'm I'm in super awe and respect that you did that, and I can't wait to read it myself. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. Well, this writer, uh, this this podcast is really about writers' processes because I always love to hear and talk about them. So, can you tell us a little bit about your process to start with? Like, where do you write? When do you write? You have kids. Like, how do you fit it all in? Yeah, so it's bad that I don't know my process then. Um, <laughs> no, you're not the first person. <laughs> I feel like a process is, there's like, what is your process right now? You know, it's kind yes. of a work. And so, and I guess I think of process and routine in two different ways. So for me, my routine is just like when I'm doing it and how I'm fitting it in. And then the process is more the creative process for me, I guess. So yeah. to answer the routine part of your question, um, yes, when I wrote, um, my two books that are currently, uh, available for sale for both of those, I had the full-time job at Writer's Digest. Um, and, I, and I have two really young kids. They're four and seven now, but they were much younger then mm -hmm. when I was, um, pursuing my first deal, um, which was a two book deal with St. Martin's. Um, and I think I signed for that in, I guess it would have been 2016 or 2015, toward the end of 2015, actually. Um, and so at that time, it really was just, I, I already struggled with being a working parent. And you I did like a one year old me. then, like, yes, I did. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I already struggled a lot with being a working parent in the time I spent away from my kids. So I didn't want to take any other time away from them yeah. to pursue writing, especially just not knowing if it was ever going to, uh, you know, amount to anything other than my own kind of creative outlet. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just got in the habit of writing late at night. And at first it was, um, it was after they're asleep. And I, at first it was maybe an hour a night, but I was very regimented about it, you know, every, every weeknight. And on weekends, I would actually not do much. I would typically take weekends off. Mm -hmm. So it was more like my work weeks were really gung-ho. You know, I'd have all day at Writer's Digest and then family time, family time. And then when the kids were down, it was, okay, 
get a cup of tea or a bowl of ice cream and buck up. And as long as I, it, you know, after I had signed that contract, it became more instead of like an hour a night, it became more as long as I can keep my eyes open yeah. at the keyboard. Yeah. So I did that for a few years. Um, and then when I signed the contract for my third novel last summer, um, and the deadline on that was insanely tight to me, it felt insanely tight. And I was looking at the year ahead and my, my oldest was starting school. So I was kind of beholden to a public school schedule. Um, and then I had a book launch in there for my second novel oh and then a paperback launch for my first novel. And, and this deadline was like nine months away. And I, I thought this is already going to be the fastest I've ever written a novel. I can't keep doing this. So at that point I did make the decision to step back from the full-time desk at Writer's Digest. And so I still have a hand in there at Editor at Large, but then I kind of, you know, you have what everybody wants, which is to be able to do it, you know, full-time or during the day or at your leisure. I mean, all those nights when I was struggling to keep my eyes open, I wanted nothing more than to write while the sun was up. (laughs) But I have to say that it was a little bit of a switch, you know, just creatively to like get up in the morning and come in and try to do, because I think I had ways of psyching myself up for it all day where I'd always be thinking about the next thing I was going to write in the back of my head. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to do it first thing and I haven't had that that time yet. So I had this phase where it felt like it was taking me like four hours to do what I used to do in two hours. And it was really frustrating, but I just kept banging my head against the keyboard and, um, you know, got it figured out. There is something about that. I really, I've, I've been full-time now for two and a half years and I honestly don't know. I, I don't think I'm writing books any faster. I don't think I'm producing any faster. I'm just getting more sleep. That's, you know, because, that's absolutely yes. you don't have sleep to sacrifice sleep anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and there are still times where I have my computer back out after the kids are in bed, you know, especially when and I think the other thing is you just have so much other stuff to do that's not writing, but all the things surrounding writing, you know, getting your social. I try to be really accessible on social media so pretty much every day I need to have social media posts ready to go and then you want to you know interact with people on there mm-hmm. not just put it up and not look and and I am also a journalist so I try to you know still contribute I still do um, some cover stories for Writer's Digest and I still do you know guest blog posts for writing websites and things like that and then you have your standard Q and A's that you're doing when you have a book coming out and things like that. So I think there's just a lot more to juggle and it does fill. It's amazing how much time it can fill, but sometimes I yeah. think it could almost fill as much time as you. I think that's allowed it. it. I really think that's it. So that's a great answer for routine. Did you have an answer for the um, creativity side of process? Yeah. So for me, that's been, it's been different for every novel. Um, and I don't know if, it's that my process is evolving or if it's that every novel is just going to be different um so for the first not from what became my first published novel it wasn't the first novel I wrote but my first published novel almost missed you I wrote that all out of order I just had this idea that I was um yeah well and the story is told out of order um so I it's like a dual timeline story but it's kind of revealed and jumps back and forth in time um And I was kind of just like playing with this idea of the theme of the book. And I wasn't really sure how I was going to execute it or if it was all going to come together. So I I just wrote whatever was most vivid to me at the time. And the biggest surprise for me was that that turned out to be a cohesive story. That's an amazing surprise. 
What a wonderful it was a surprise. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I had to, I had a lot of things I had to work out and revision, but at the same point, it wasn't, it was not as big of a mess as you would imagine. I, I'm not really sure that book just sort of like took on a life of its mm. own. It was kind of a little passion project. I wrote it while I was getting rejections for a different novel. And I, and I had been rewriting the novel before that for probably six years mm. um, <laughs> on and off while I was having babies and things like that and getting agent feedback and out on mm-hmm. submission. And so I think it was just so creatively freeing to be working on something that was not the novel I'd been doing for six years. Yeah. That it actually just kind of came together. It was fun and it came to very, together um, kind of uncommonly quickly for me. Um, then my second novel, um, I knew the beginning and I knew the end and not that I could tell there's a pretty significant twist at the end and I knew the twist. So I knew what I was writing toward, but not how I was going to get there. Um, but that is also a linear story that's told in order. So, um, it was very in order then. And I did write it in order and it was very helpful to be writing toward something, but I didn't have writing toward anything. I never know what's going to happen. I never know the twist. So I'm jealous. I really liked writing toward something. (laughs) I don't know if I will ever (laughs) accomplish that again, (laughs) but it was great. And then my third novel, I really only, you know, the first time I was writing from this like theme and the second time I was writing towards something. And the third time I really was just, I had an idea for the beginning. I was like, you know, and and I think when I first had the idea, I had this idea for this like opening chapter sequence for this novel. And I, wh- when I had the idea, I was kind of, it was kind of more like someone should write that, you know, <laughs> like I would like to read that. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, maybe I should yeah. write it. But I, I mean, it was it was actually when I first got the idea, it was just like, oh, I bet somebody could write a really cool book based on that, you know. Um, and so, you know, I did write the early chapters and I wrote a bit of a pitch and my agent sold it based on that. Oh, God. And then you had to write it. <laughs> right. And when she sold it, she said, I can't wait to hear what it, to see what happens next. And I was like, me too. I have no idea. So that I don't necessarily recommend, but <laughs> that's kind of the way I write all my books. I usually write. Is it? Yeah, it really is. And I hate it. I start with, with premises. I don't even start with plots, like an idea for plot. I start with a premise and then I jump in and then I realize about 25,000 words in that I forgot to include a plot and I need to go make one. And so it's <laughs> again, not, not really ideal, but I really, I, I did a book event recently with, um, a thriller writer, David Bell. Do you know him? I don't. Um, he's a professor. Um, he has a P- He's incredibly smart. He has a PhD in writing, and he is a professor wow. at uh, Bowling Green University in uh, Kentucky. Uh-huh. And um, but he's also a thriller writer. And I did a joint event with him um, over the summer, and he was saying that he doesn't begin writing until he can sum up the idea that's percolating in his mind in the one sentence hook the entire book I have always and wanted I thought, to do that and I've that never is done so it. smart <laughs> I should try that yeah um, but yeah I just kind of meander I think I need it, it makes me feel better that you do too yeah. because yeah. I feel like you know it would be more it would be I kind of wish I wasn't I'm like a seat of the pants person who wishes I was not me too I think yes we are very very similar in that I want to be a plotter and I'm just a terrible terrible plotter what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing I mean that's probably it is just getting used to living with that anxiety 
level and kind of even using it and just sort of trusting the process. Because you've written so many more books than I have, Rachel. Are you at a point where you can trust yes. enough in the process that you don't worry That's that a it's really not going to come question. together? That's a really good question. Because like for the first five or six books or even seven books, I was always really, really worried that I would get to the end. Because where I get stuck is right about the dark moment. I write to the dark moment and then I can't go any further and I don't have an answer for this dark moment and I can't fix it. And um, and so many times that's the point at which I, real, I really believe that I, I will not be able to make it through this book. And now I know that's part of my process. And it usually takes me a couple weeks to remember it. And then I remember it, oh, this is where I start the book over again. And this is where I start revision. And I trust that by the time I get to that dark moment again, I will know the ending. And it hasn't let me down once in 23 books. So it's not a comfortable feeling. But there's yeah. some there's some comfort knowing that this is just the way I do it. And I can walk into the dark. I just wish I had a light. I'm right. tired of walking into the dark. It's scary. <laughs> I want a flashlight. <laughs> With Forget You Know Me, which is the one I, I didn't know at all where it was going, I did. I kept trying to do this thing where kind of like, um, I forget who, it's not my metaphor, but the metaphor of trying to see as far as your headlights in the fog oh, down a road. Yeah. Yes. Elmer Leonard. I, I did try to do that where I would make myself because I think in the past I've gotten myself into um, traps where I've had to revise more than I would have liked just because I just I am a big believer in forward momentum. That's why I try to hammer yes. away every day, even if I know. Yes. I mean, especially when I was doing it at night, there would be times when I would sit here and realize, and I would sit here and I, I would feel like I had this great night. Like, oh my God, you know, my daily goal is usually a thousand words. And I would think I just did 2000 words. This is amazing. And I'd go upstairs and everyone else is asleep. And I'm like in the bathroom brushing my teeth. And I realize why the 2000 words I just wrote have to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's the worst. It's so much easier if then, you realize it's the worst, later. But then it's also like, but then you kind of know if you realize because yeah. you know what has to happen. I just kind of embrace that as part of the process. Like, ah, shucks. I actually wrote zero words, like plus 2,000 <laughs> minus 2,000. Um, but with this last one, I did try to, I would occasionally try to make my, to try to avoid some of that. It would make myself stop. I am so big on forward momentum that I have to actually make myself stop and try to, I try to map out how far can I see, you know, maybe try to sketch out the next 10 chapters and it didn't always hold. Um, I love that but, you say 10 chapters. I really try my forward momentum and those headlights usually only go forward about 10 pages. That's how yeah. far I can see. And <laughs> that makes me feel, that makes me feel less alone. <laughs> So thank you. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about. What yes. what um what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Oh my gosh, I think just um that feeling I described before before I brushed my teeth. <laughs> just the idea getting the of words having, on the page. Yeah, just getting yeah. I think just in the in those times where it is going really well. I mean, I think um I'm not a very self-congratulatory writer and I'm not very, um, I, I mean, a lot of writers will like tweet, tweet quotes from their works in progress. And so that's never. like my worst nightmare. Never. I would never, mm -mm. I would never share anything from a work in progress because mm -mm. I have no idea if it's going to stick and I have no idea if it's any good, but so I, I think for me, it's rare to have written something and feel really good about it. Like I just tapped into this, um, 
you know, like river, the, this current that's flowing under the story, I finally just tapped into it. Just that feeling of like being in the flow. I don't, I don't get that as often as I would like. And that is definitely the greatest joy. Me too. Me too. I'm resonating with like every, everything. Um, <laughs> can you share a quick craft tip of any sort for us? A craft tip? I think... Um, I don't know if this is crafty enough, but my biggest craft tip really is that, um, that forward momentum. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating that. And for me, and I think a lot of writers, um, put a lot of pressure on themselves and I, and I do sometimes too, just about like what happens next, what is happening exactly next in the story. But for me, um, it's just more important to keep going. So I think, I think when people get stuck and then they end up stepping away, that is when the danger can creep mm-hmm. in. That's when the dust has any time to settle, then it's going to make it harder and harder to come back. So I think my two biggest tips are just one is just if you, if you don't know what comes next, but you know something else that happens, just write that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I often will skip ahead and write or write, or if you're feeling like just kind of meh about the story, just write the next thing you're excited to write. Um, I am a big believer in just kind of like, and, and sometimes if uh, the bridge between those two things is shorter than you think, and once you've written the other scene, you kind of realize how you can get yourself there. I have had that happen. I have a real hard time with it because yeah. I'm such a linear writer, but I, I'll skip a scene every once in a while. This will happen. I'll, I will remember this excellent piece of advice and I'll actually take it. And then I'll realize that that transition scene that I didn't want to write was actually a transition phrase not even a whole sentence right and that got me back yeah or you can just kind of skip yeah meanwhile back at the ranch or whatever smarter than like we just i always have i always need to remember that my reader is so smart like they i don't have to lead them by the hand and i always want to lead them by the hand and make sure they see everything i want them to see and that's that's boring and i don't want to do that right that's it. And I think, and for me, the other aspect of keeping that momentum is sometimes, I think the other thing that can hang you up is sometimes you know what comes next, but you don't know how you want to render it. You know, I know what comes next, but I'm not sure, you know, where I want to open the scene or what the point of view, and you can get so hung up on that. And um, I had a coworker, Writer's Digest, who was having a hard time with that. And one day I, I just told him, when that happens to me, I just write what happened. Like, just write down what happens. <laughs> Don't worry about whether you're writing it, you know, well or from the right perspective or whatever. But if you that. feel like you need to keep going, just write. And sometimes um, if you just write down what happens, then it's, again, it seems suddenly it's so much easier. It's simple and so random. obvious and it's so smart. Like, <laughs> just write, like, she came over. They had a discussion. She, went, she goes over they, to her house. Yeah. And, blah, blah. and then sometimes while you're writing that down... Um, something else that's actually pretty good will come to you. Or even if you're summarizing it for yourself, then you're getting at what the point of the scene is. And I don't know. I'm just really, really wise. Did that help him? (laughs) Just write what happened. It did help him. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. (laughs) Um, What topic do you get most excited about when you're talking about writing? I think I, I don't know. I think I love hearing not myself talk, but other people talk about how they do it. Like we're talking about right now. I mean, I've been um, in the fortunate position of having interviewed some amazing writers for for Writer's Digest. Um, Because when you're the editor, you can assign the cool stuff to yourself. 
Hell hey. yeah. <laughs> That's the point. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take that one. We're going to do we're going to do David Sedaris in the X issue. I'm going to do that one myself. I mean, I, did you really do I, that? I did. Oh. I really did. Um, and I mean, I've interviewed dozens of, um, you know, best-selling authors, authors who I've studied in school and, um, to be able to speak to them the way you and I are talking about, about the process. And, but it's amazing. And, and sometimes somebody is saying something and you think, well, I don't think that, that would work for me or I wish my brain worked that way. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's so interesting to see all the different ways that, that people go about it. it I, because I think when you talk to enough writers, it really drives home that there's no one right way, which is in itself uh, reassuring, I guess. That's, I think, my number um, one comment that I get from listeners of the show is they write in and say um, – I went to your show looking for the right way to write and I have found out that there is no right way. And I'm like, yes, my job is done here. But there are some people <laughs> who don't care about listening to process. But the, And then there are process junkies like you and me. Like I just want to hear the next good idea because I'm always hopeful that the next time I get stuck, which is probably going to be tomorrow, one of these ideas I've heard over the years will prompt that, you know, re- remember right. what Jessica said to just write what happens and do a summary and get get through there, you know. Right. I think, um, and I have my own, actually, I have a talk that I give at conferences. Um, that's my 10 best, the 10 best writing lessons, I think, from the 10 years I spent interviewing bestsellers. Oh, that's cool. Um, and that is, the tips I give in that session are really just my my light bulb moments that I have, which they're not always going to be the same, you know, for every, my light bulb moments are probably not yours, but it seems like the ones I've hit on in that session do, um, seem to resonate with a lot of people who hear it. And those are the voices that I can still hear. I, you know, the things, and it's like, and I'm fortunate that it's like, well, I remember Patricia Cornwell, you know, (laughs) that's like, remember what she said, it seems to be working for her. Is that session collated anywhere into a magazine article I could also link to or? not oh girl know, maybe it should be maybe it should be um, <laughs> I believe you there's should probably there's probably there are probably some audio recordings of it out there um from various conferences I've been to but I guess those are probably usually just from for attendees so do you have just off the top of your head do you have one of those lessons that you remember from that well list? Patricia Cornwell um in terms of like how you just I'll just use hers since I already threw her name out but she she says, treat your writing like a relationship, not a job. Yeah. Because if it's a relationship, you're going to want to check Love in with that. it every day. You just doing and maybe tuck your characters in at night. And be nice to them. If it's a them. job, it's like you have to do every day. I so, adore um, that. That was so helpful to me when I was juggling all those balls. I mean, I'm still juggling a lot of balls, but... Um, but now it is very much a part of my my life. But early on when I was really trying to make it stick, to me that was really helpful because I think a lot of times the advice you hear for that routine is like butt in chair, mm-hmm. butt in it's chair. Super hardcore. For a while, we almost had to put a moratorium on it at Writer's Digest. There was one issue where like four different people tried to put that in their articles and we're like, okay, we get the picture, you know. But that's really – that doesn't sound – it sounds like something you're making yourself do, right? Yeah, yeah. It sounds mean. You're you're forcing somebody to so, do that, right? Yeah, I mean, we do want to be doing this, of course. Hopefully, 
supposed to be fun. But we could also be nice, like in a relationship. Oh, that's wonderful. That is, that's like a, that's like a double bonus. Okay. So what is the best book you've read recently? Oh my gosh. So the best book I've read recently isn't out yet. Is that bad? No, tell me anyway. It's coming out soon. It's A Spark of Light by Jodi P. Colt. Oh, it's it's good. Coming out in October. Um, it's certainly gotten a lot of buzz yeah. already, but has anyone else said that? No, know you always ask. You know, you're the first. I just, I somehow I got approved um, for an early copy of that. I think on NetGalley. I, I'm not even sure how, but um, I don't, I don't know Jody or anything. But um, oh my gosh, I mean, it is I really. Um, I love her so much, and I think it's just. Um, the book is very topical. It takes place during a active shooter standoff mm. in a women's health clinic. Wow. And yeah. And it, it's almost like she's clairvoyant or something with some of the conversations yeah. that are going on now with the, you know, the Supreme Court and everything. But but um, she writes uh, what was fascinating to me is how many points of view she's written from in this book. I don't I want to say the wrong thing. She does number, that. She, it, she does that often. But she can yes. do it so well. She does. She just, I, I feel like this was like, I don't know. I, I've seen her do it well before, but I think because it was such an emotional, when you have people on both sides of a gun here, literally, mm. and it's such an emotional um, issue. And some of the people uh, fundamentally disagree on mm. their very definition of life who are in this book. And she managed to delve into their heads, I think, hopefully, fairly, in mm. equal measure. And it's just, gives you a lot to think about and I wish it was out so that I could make everyone I know read it so they could talk to me about it because that's don't you find that that's I mean the best part of being a writer is you you get a chance to read early copies of things sometimes but then then nobody else can read it you can't give it to your neighbor or your mom and by the time it comes out and everyone else is ready to talk about it I've forgotten it like six months later I don't remember it anymore this one is out very soon, and I okay. will remember it well. So the, um, if you read it, I'm reading you should the, email me, Rachel. I will. <laughs> I will absolutely email you. I'm reading The Power right now, which luckily is out, and everybody's talking about it. Have you heard about this? I've heard a little bit about it. Super enjoyable. Are you loving so it? I am loving it, so I need to talk to people as soon as um, – I'm not sure I'm going to go on loving it, but I hope I do. Yeah, it's pretty great. Okay. It's pretty great so far. I'll awesome. on my list then <laughs> on your recommendation. <laughs> All right. Well, tell the listeners where they can find you and what they should be looking for. Tell them about your last book. Maybe tell us a little bit about what it was about. Um, so I'm at jessicastrauser.com. Um, I'm very active on Facebook at Jessica Strauser Author. Not my personal page. I don't accept friend requests from people I don't know in real life on my personal page. So you do need to look for my author page, mm-hmm. but it's on there. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Jessica Strauser. And uh, my latest book that's out right now is called Not That I Could Tell. And it's about a woman in a small town who goes missing. And um, her neighbors were the last people to see her. But on the last night that they did see her, they all sat around a bonfire and got really carried away with the wine. And so their memories of that last night are not very good. And so it's kind of about how her neighbors, whether the fallout of her disappearance and trying to figure out what happened to her. And that's out in hardcover now, and it'll be out in paperback in January. I cannot wait to read it. It's actually on my Kindle right now. So I'm just, I, I oh, was going to try to start it before we talked, but I didn't. So I, I don't care. I'll still, I still can't wait to read it. So it's been lovely <laughs> well, to talk to you. 
It's been wonderful to meet you and to get to know you. And thank you so much for doing this. You are an inspiration and you're also very delightful. Well, so are you. And so are you. So thanks for having me. Thanks. Happy writing to you. Talk later. And to you as well. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.